You're listening to Black Things Podcast, a show that talks to Black entrepreneurs about their journey into entrepreneurship. This podcast is a product of BlackFaves.com, an online guide that helps connect people with Black-owned businesses. And I'm your host, Tanisha Blakely. Let's get this episode started. Hey, everybody. We're back. Welcome to the new listeners. And welcome back to those who are shocked to see this episode in their podcast feed. Um, it's been a long time and some things have definitely changed, but I am excited to be back with our guest, Kyra Perot. She's the founder of a new mobile app called Roofheads, which is an app that acts as a digital assistant for people who invest in real estate property. It's a tool that helps organize property deals, notes, photos, important calculations, and everything you need to take into account when buying an investment property. And in our conversation, Kyra talks about how she came up with the idea, her process in building the app. But what I loved about our conversation is that she gave a ton of cost-saving tips to anyone who's considering building their own mobile app. And that's important to me because um, this podcast is not just about introducing you to new Black-owned businesses or existing Black-owned businesses. Um, My hope is that through these conversations, we offer either myself or my guests offer some tools to build your own business. And speaking of business, I have some housekeeping to do before we get into this conversation with Kyra. For those who are returning listeners, you probably noticed the name change, the podcast name change from We Create to Black Faves. And the reason I did this is to be more consistent. I didn't want to manage separate social media accounts or even build another podcast website. This podcast has always been an extension of blackfaves.com with a mission to highlight Black-owned businesses. So it only made sense that the podcast share the same name. Um, Last thing before we get to the interview, I just launched an events calendar on blackfaves.com. We feature events inside and outside of the United States. All events listed and featured are created by Black entrepreneurs. So, for example, in April, we have Black Restaurant Week in Houston and a music festival conference in D.C. In May, in Philadelphia, there's a tech summit tech summit for black women featured on the website um so there's a ton of events listed and we are constantly adding new ones so please 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 check it out also if you're a black entrepreneur with an upcoming event go to the website click the four business owners tab and submit your event for free i think that covers it so let's get into our conversation with Kyra. what is a digital property investing system Yeah, so um, a digital assistant um, is basically a tool that helps you make informed decisions when you're buying or selling property. Um, Imagine um, having an assistant in person, right, that's helping you organize stuff that you can just throw things at and they are organizing it and putting it together for you so that you can just look at what's important in order to help you make decisions and help you navigate. Um, That's what Roofheads is to people that are buying and selling property. And how did you come up with the concept? Well, that happened organically, actually. Um, I was working a dead-end job. um, Mm -hmm. And even though it paid well, I wanted to figure out how I could create additional income through property rentals. So I went on a search. Um, My husband and I, we looked at properties. We talked to agents. We captured photos. Um, we learned how to calculate numbers. We got books from Amazon to help us try to figure things out. 
And we tracked all this information um, in our own tools. It was exciting for us to think about what life would be like as new landlords and the challenges we would have to overcome. Um, and as we continued evaluating our options, we found that there was just so much data that we collected and organized to help us um, make a decision that it at times became onerous to manage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we hung in there. We didn't give up. Um, we ended up designing a tool that helped us see the data in a format that was most helpful. My husband took a coding class and used his skill to build it. And I helped him with the design layout and the navigation. Okay. So while all of this is happening, I'm still showing up every day to my dead end job. <laughs> um, I had wondered, um, you know, if other people might have been having the same experiences um, that we were having during the property buying process and decided to take a course to learn how to research that. Mm -hmm. And I found out that they were. And then that's when I decided to move forward in designing a solution. Wow. So where did you come up with the name Roofheads? Uh, it's funny um, because the original name was Rich Pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to know a little bit more about Rich Pigeons and what that means, but okay. <laughs> and, I, and it was, you know, I came up with Rich Pigeons because I was like, I need an animal. I need, you know, I want to use an animal. I want to talk about the pigeons, you know, because, you know, I'm in New York and you know, you always see pigeons and pigeons are hated, but I don't <laughs> but if they're rich, you know, <laughs> that's hilarious. So, okay. <laughs> so I did that. Right. So, and people couldn't understand why the name was rich pigeons. So they thought sometimes that it was the name of a person. Even when I got the Rich back, it was like addressed to rich pigeons. And I was like, no, oh this isn't, this isn't that. So we ended up having to go back to the drawing board and come up with the name. And um, one day uh, when I was on the train, I passed by a neighborhood and I just was looking out the window um, and you know how, you know, the train is um, going past factories and sometimes a field of green or, you know, whatever. And, um, and I looked out over and saw a bunch of rooftops and, and I was just thinking, you know, and, and during that ride, I was thinking of a new name. So um, when I saw the rooftops, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, everyone needs a roof over their head. And mm. I couldn't call it a roof over your head. <laughs> so Got it. Okay. I decided to call it Roof Heads. And that's how the name was born. Wow. So tell me, I want to go back to um, you collecting data to invest in more properties. So to get into kind of what the app actually does, what type of data are you collecting and how does this um, investing assistant actually help you? What is it doing? Because there's a lot of people who actually want to get into um, investing in real estate. They don't know where to start. And so it's great to have an app that does everything. But what are some of the things that people should actually keep in mind and how does your um, app help? Okay. So some of the data that we were collecting was um, um, going to properties, taking a look at them, taking our own pictures and videos of them, um, understanding how to do calculations, like um, what's, what's going to be the gross potential income? Um, what are some other expenses that we need to keep in mind that we may need to uh, work into our calculations when determining or 
estimating how much money we can get from this property. Um, what's our cap rate going to be? Um, and then some of these things we had never heard of before. Uh, we, we had to get books to try to understand them. Um, and, and I couldn't believe that even with the books that we were using, that they didn't have apps at the time mm-hmm. to, um, to help us with this. So we started using Excel as our first uh, tool to put the property address. And we had to obviously keep the pictures somewhere else because Excel isn't set up where you can, you know, have a photo and have new stuff, right? So we would have the property name and then we would have the calculations that helped us determine like what the mortgage would be, how much we could make off of a property if we sold it at different prices and we were able to change the the rent, like say if we were looking at um, $1,000 or figuring out how much would it be at $1,200 a month, you know, just playing around with it and just having, um, having it be so dynamic that we could change the numbers to see what are the other outcomes. Okay. Um, and so that was a very important part of the process. And it was, it was very challenging um, for us to keep that information in one place where we could see it all at once. Um, and we couldn't even see every single little detail at once when we were just using Excel. We had to create something where we could see the pictures next to it because after a while, you start forgetting which property had a basement, which one had a deck, which one um, had the roof caved in, which right. one had a water issue. You know, you start forgetting because you, you, know, you went to look at so many. So um, being able to keep all of that information in one place and organize it in a way that says, hey, these are things that you want to pay attention to when it comes to renting. Um, like how much you're going to get back. What are the taxes in this mm. particular town that you need to um, be expected to pay? Um, and just being able to have those things jump out at you so that at the, you know, at the moment you open it up, you will understand what your real options are. Mm. Roof has, um, has a tool, a calculator in it that does that for you. Because when I took the course to learn how to do research um, for that idea, I found that a lot of the people that were frustrated and creating their own hacks, just like we were, they were using Microsoft Excel and they stayed there. Like they didn't move past that to create something that was a little Mm. bit more um, intuitive, like we had done for ourselves. And so um, it was very interesting because they were, they were sending me their spreadsheets um, so that I could see the types of calculations that they were doing, the uh, different pieces of information that matter to them. Because to one person, taxes will matter. Like how much taxes you pay in this town versus the, uh, the next. To another mm-hmm. person, they may only be focused um, on the price, right? Okay. Um, so everyone had their preferences in terms of what pieces of data they wanted to pay attention to. And okay. Roofheads allows them to perform those calculations in the app easily. So it, it saves them so much money and time with trying to program Excel to do all these calculations for you. You can open it, have all your data right there saved, and you can look at everything at once. Okay. So um, I'm assuming you guys are still, um, are your property investors, so you have your own um, real estate properties. Have you used RefHeads and kind of, learn things about the app and kind of made changes 
Have yeah. you actually kind of tested it in the real world? Yeah, we have um, this, and that's part of the process of building an app is like, there's so much testing and iteration that happens um, that if you are in it and you think that things could happen in 24 hours or three days, mm -hmm. um, you will really be let down <laughs> because um, <laughs> it's not that easy, you know? Yeah. Um, we have gone through so many iterations and I, um, and I know that we will continue to do that because one of the values um, as a CEO that I hold fast to with this whole process and with product is that we have to pay attention to people and listen to what they're saying and make sure that we're iterating based off of their feedback. So yeah. from the very beginning, um, I started off with different prototypes because at first I didn't know how to code and I wanted to be able to understand the developers that I was working with. So I took a class um, just so that I could understand them and be able to talk to them. And during that time, I created like paper prototypes to test. I then created clickable prototypes that mm -hmm. I would take out and test with potential users. Um, and we took that feedback and we continue to iterate over and over again, like testing doesn't mm -hmm. stop. Like it's yeah. ongoing. Yeah. So um, even now we are uh, right now we are having folks sign up for the beta version of the app mm -hmm. so that we can continue to get even more feedback from them as we have connected to larger databases of information to help um, deliver a, a more robust experience through the app. Well, that's cool. That is really cool. So you, you mentioned we're talking about real estate investment. We're talking about learning how to code. Where did your career actually begin? You mentioned this dead end job. Like I'm just curious, <laughs> what industry were you working in? Was it real estate? Was it tech? <laughs> yeah. So let me, let, let me um, elaborate a little bit about that. So I worked as an admin on Wall Street as my day job for over 10 years. And I was very good at it. Um, and, you know, I paid well, mm -hmm. but I just wasn't satisfied. I wanted to get promoted. So I was the type of employee that always raised my hand and take on new projects or lead in different ways. I got plenty of projects to work on. Lots of them, um, lots of interesting, exciting things. And I got to learn a lot um, because um, in my role, I actually end up doing a lot of chief of staff work. So um, in that position, um, never getting a promotion, um, I did get discouraged. Um, yeah. I was getting a lot of work, but I, was, I wasn't getting the outcome that I wanted. Bonuses are one thing, but when you want to get promoted, you're asking for more responsibility and recognition. And um, so my bosses wanted to keep me and I wanted to fly. <laughs> it was discouraging and sometimes it felt like I wasn't appreciated enough or like my dreams weren't valuable. Um, but something in me knew that that had to be false. So outside of work is where I got my fix. I got to explore some things that interested me and that aligned more closely to my life's goals. I started a nonprofit to help teen girls transition out of trafficking. Mm -hmm. I created a workshop curriculum for Covenant House, New York. I work with their youth. I wrote a book. 
um, I sold products and all these things were more aligned to my interests and passion for problem solving and helping people. Mm-hmm. So naturally roof heads became a product that was sort of born out of that mission because it sprang from my own challenges during the buying process. Wow. <laughs> so how has, you know, your previous life working on as an admin on Wall Street helped in specifically uh, roof heads? Um, have there, have there been things that you've taken from, you know, that world and applying it to uh, technology? Yeah, there's so much. Um, Working as an admin um, on Wall Street, one of the things that I learned um, is how to take feedback and turn it around to make changes. Um, Because as an admin, you're constantly getting feedback. Um, You're constantly um, surveying the land, um, so to speak, to check the pulse of um, how things are going, um, how people are responding, and coming up with ways to meet their needs. Um, This is no different. Uh, When I started Roof Heads, one of the first things I had to do was research and understand the market, understand the people in it, understand my audience, their goals, their motivations, and how I was going to design a solution to help meet their needs. Um, I needed to be ready to embrace failure. Um, And that's also something that you learn um, is to embrace the times where you fell short or that you um, or your work didn't measure up. Um, Embrace it um, as a learning experience and then turn it around quickly to, um, you know, to put something else out there that helps solve the problem and so with roof heads doing all the usability testing talking to people um it was one of the things that stays at the top of my mind is that i cannot build in between four walls i cannot build in a building i have to leave the building and i have to go out and i have to talk to humans I can't say I'm building for this particular group and I'm not having a conversation with them. I am not um, visiting their world to try to understand what their frustrations are, what their motivations are. Um, I have to get out there and I have to talk to them and I have to get feedback from them. I have to hear from them um, so that I can deliver for them something that's going to help solve their problems. Yeah. So there are a lot of um, great app ideas um, and there are definitely ways um, to get apps out to market really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But as someone who's, you know, working, doing a lot of research, which is, which is great. And as you mentioned, talking to your target audience, someone who wants to come out with an app, like what is something or things that they should be aware of and take into consideration in building out an app, someone who you know has that great idea for the next app. I am so glad you asked me that question <laughs> because um, this has been my experience. When I first started on this journey, um, I found that there were a lot of companies out there that are trying to target that group, right? The group that has this idea, but they don't know what next steps to take. And I ended up signing up for one of those programs that train you over three days how to um, take your, you know, your idea um, to the market for an app. 
And uh, someone told me, you know, hey, you know, don't do that. They're only going to speak high level. They're not going to, you know, really teach you a whole lot. And I think that for some people, you know, they may have gone and, and um, found some parts of it very useful. But for me, I think that it's important for a person to understand that no one can tell you in three days if your idea is going to make it. Mm -hmm. And I think that people, first of all, they need to understand that. Um, and if you have an idea and you want to know what the next steps are, the first thing you have to do is research. Research, research, research. Um, get out there, look at your market, look at your audience, um, study them, do a competitive analysis, um, put, your, put all of this information in spreadsheets so that you can get a good look at it and understand what's going on with the market that you're trying to reach. Um, create a discussion guide. A discussion guide mm. um, basically says, uh, what is it that I want to learn about this group of people? What is it that um, is going to help me design a solution for them? Figuring out what you want to learn. Because going out there with an, with an idea, you're not going out there to prove that you've met their needs. You're going out there to learn something from them. And I think that it's important to have that mindset when building is that you're not building to prove that you were able to solve a solution. You know, you, that's your goal. But when you're doing research and you're testing, you have to have the mindset of being willing to learn from the audience and not prove something to them. Um, the next thing is um, after you have your discussion guide together, you should then um, move forward with doing some interviews. And if you haven't had training on, interviewing people for research. There are a lot of books out there that you could use for that. Uh, Steve Krug, he's an author that I go to for a lot of, um, um, of his material on usability testing. He has a book called uh, Rocket Surgery Made Easy. Um, that's like a Bible for me. Um, it really helps you understand like how to conduct usability testing. When you're doing your research interviews, though, you can just go out there and just talk to people, have conversations with them, get them to tell you stories about their experiences with a particular problem. And listen, just listen. Don't, don't interrupt them. Don't offer solutions. Just go out there and listen. And get all that information together. Create a spreadsheet and track what you're hearing. Um, Record things if you can. Um, audio and video is great. Come back um, and transcribe them. Record them. And then you would go back out with sketches of a solution. Right? So I'm like giving, I'm giving you the whole hack. Right? <laughs> this is great. This I'm is great. This is the hack, you know. You go back out there with your questions, you go back out there with sketches of a solution and you start asking them open-ended questions like, um, tell me about the last time you blank or tell me about when you did this and this happened. Um, give me some information about this experience, you know, like just getting them to tell you stories um, and tracking that information. Um, after you have all of that and you're getting feedback on um, 
the solution that you sketched out. It could be a paper prototype, which is what um, in the industry we highly recommend is that you start off on paper. Um, you can create a paper prototype on index cards. You can create one on um, regular copy paper. Okay. And you would just draw symbols on them that represent mobile screens and you would take them out and you would test them with people. Let people know, hey, this isn't the final product. I'm just testing direction. I'm just testing um, to get some information. And you just go back out and you set up a scenario and tell them, hey, pretend that this is happening and you need to use this tool to do this. You know, So you would go out there and you would test it and you would see if people can understand it, if they can at least understand it and navigate to... Um, you know, a, a successful place using the tool that you've created as a prototype, then you're on the right track. So those are some things that you would do in the beginning to figure it out. And then once you can get it um, tight enough to where people aren't getting as confused anymore by your design, they can easily navigate and understand how to get through it. They're saying things like, oh, can I use this right now? Like, when will this be ready? I need this right now because right now I'm using this and it would be great to have this. Then you know, okay, I need to go forward and code. Right. <laughs> well, that's good. That's, a, that's definitely um, economically uh, the best route to take because my next question is cost because I've worked in technology for a while and, yeah. you know, a lot of people come to me like, oh, I want to I build an app. How much is that going to cost? Mm -hmm. And so anyone who, you know, has a great idea, one, paper prototyping, you know, is the most cost effective way. So that's, that's brilliant. Um, but in terms of your expectation going down this path of building the app, did you have an idea of what the cost would be? And then just for those listening, you know, what could they anticipate? in cost because that's something that you have to think about as an entrepreneur especially if you have a job or you don't have a job when you're an yeah. entrepreneur so yeah um, so I had to do some research to figure out, you know, the cost and, um, you go to some developers and, you know, they know that you're bootstrapping. They may not charge you as much as they would normally charge someone else. Um, I had, um, an incubator that was willing to build it for me, um, and take 6% and they were going to charge, I think around $40,000 to build it. And so I kept looking and I, um, I found another developer that was willing to give me a, you know, a better price and more um, for the work. And I didn't have to give up any equity. Um, and that's important too, um, is to, in the beginning, as you're building, you definitely don't want to give the developers any equity. You do not want to do that because later on, as your product evolves, it may um, require you to hire more developers and more, and you can't just give equity to everybody. Yeah. So um, in the beginning, you know, the rule is, you know, not to, you know, just because someone's helping to build your product, you don't automatically just give them 50% or a, a huge piece. So um, in terms of cost, um, paper prototyping and basically following um, the UX design framework helped save me a lot of money. Um, I was able to do research. Um, I was able to create interactive prototypes on my phone and on the computer to test with, um, paying nothing. Um, Envision is free. 
um, yes, you know, so, <laughs> you know, Marvel free, you know, even at that time I was using pop, you know, Marvel bought pop. So I was able to use these apps for free um, in order to test things. And I got a lot of valuable insight from my target audience without, without, you know, even coding or paying a developer um, in the beginning. And so um, it, it definitely um, does require you, you know, as a bootstrapper, um, you learn how to take a dollar and stretch it 50 ways, you know, because you don't have, you know, a whole lot of money um, to spend on things that, you know, are necessary. And you end up taking courses, learning how to do things yourself, um, leveraging your network to see who in your network can help you with this project. Uh, one of the things that I had to do immediately, because it's a new industry um, that I was becoming part of, um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of people um, in that industry that I could leverage for that type of support. So what I did is I started to immediately get connected to meetups, groups um, that could teach me things, uh, where I could go to happy hours and meet people. I was setting up coffee uh, with people to learn more about them and their journeys. I unofficially set up a board of advisors of like old bosses and mentors and sponsors um, that gave me advice along the way. And I continue to check in with them to show them, okay, this is the progress that I've made. I'd like to get some feedback from you on any blind spots that I, you know, that I may need to be aware of at this stage. Um, just checking in with people that you do have in your network um, to just help you along. And then as you stay connected, your network will continue to grow. Yeah, there's something really important in terms of there are a lot of people, especially if you're trying to get into anything related to technology, and that isn't their uh, background. They're very fearful of getting into it because there's so much that they don't know and it's constantly changing. But you mentioned a number of things in terms of meetups um, and creating kind of a network of people who could help you um, and kind of educate you along the way because going in blind there is a possibility that you end up spending and burning a lot of money. Um, yeah. But just educating yourself before you even, you know, jump knee deep in and invest money. There's yeah. a, you know, a, a phase, a discovery phase um, where you can kind of gain some of that knowledge to kind of know what direction to take. So that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of tools that you could use to bring products to market um, easily um, without having a developer involved. Like they're coming up with a lot of different ways where people can just create apps that, you know, it, you didn't have to get it. You didn't have to, um, you know, have a developer put it on the store. You may have to pay a little more, you know, because mm -hmm. they'll put ads in it, you know, like Appy Pie. Um, you can go there and um, create an app and they have like the templates set up already. You can just choose which one you want to use. Um, there are a lot of different uh, tools out there that you can use for that. Yeah. I mean, but the most important outside of the tool, you still need to have an understanding of your, your audience. And so talking yes. to them, that's, <laughs> that's critical. That's so, so critical. <laughs> so critical. But that's good. So what does your team look like today? Is that you and your husband? Is there a, a, you know, a growing team? What does it look like right now? 
So uh, right now it's me and my co-founder and my co-founder, it's funny because uh, when I talk about me going out and creating an unofficial board of advisors Mm -hmm. made up of old bosses and mentors, Mm -hmm. um, he falls in that category. He's a manager that I used to work with. Um, I, when I left, I left wall street for a year to go work at a gaming company to try something different. Mm. And it was a very, very interesting and fun experience. Um, I ended up going back to Goldman because it was a small company that I went to work for and I felt safer going back to, um, wall street you know it was it was sort of like a a decision that i made like looking out long term and while i was there though i formed this really great relationship uh, with the cto of the company and we just stayed in touch Um, even when i went back um, to goldman i had another tech idea that i came to him with and he gave me some advice on it and sort of helped me with um, navigating um, going through like the patent process and learning more about that. Um, and then when I came to him with this, um, showing him the prototype for roof heads, when I showed it to him, he said, Kyra, I want to, I want to follow you on this. So he stuck by me. He, um, attended all the development meetings with me. He was always there to give me advice on next moves, next steps, helping me make decisions. And then, um, I had uh, gotten further along into the process and, and he came on board as a co-founder. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. You, so that's how that happened. Okay. Were you looking for that or is just something that organically happened? Um, a little both um, because every, every time I looked into um, funding opportunities or um, going and joining an incubator or accelerator, um, I would always get told that, you know, like if you are by yourself and you don't have a co-founder that it's frowned upon, that people want to see that you have someone technical, you know, someone else who's technical on your team that's handling all of that. And I really didn't have the time to invest in that. I, you know, it's like speed dating. Like you feel like you have to be (laughs) married to this person. And, um, and I really didn't have the time for that because my head was buried in developing. It was buried in doing testing, researching. I didn't, I really didn't have the time to, um, go speed dating, looking for a co-founder. And, uh, I had mentioned it to him. Um, at some point, you know, I said, look, I really don't have time. He was like, look, just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and then one day, you know, we had a conversation and he was like, you know, I could do it. I could do it. So I was wow. like, Hey, you know, because, you know, I, I wanted him to do it. I, you know, I thought that he would be the, the best person to do it. Um, and it just, you know, it just happened that, you know, he said, okay, I, you know, I can do it. I'm gonna do it. You know? oh, that's a blessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So who is the app for? Is it for someone who is, you know, first time real estate investor? Is this something that anyone, no matter what their level of real estate um, investment, they could use, they they could find the, you know, app useful? So it is for um, people that are new to getting into property buying. It's also for people that have purchased properties before 
um, and they want to use the tools in there to help them with calculating numbers and tracking all that information in one, one place instead of going to an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. And it has the features and capabilities that a standard real estate app should have. Like you should be able to search, you should be able to take notes. Um, and then it has some extra things in there on how you organize your information, just in terms of the UI, making it easy to navigate um, and store information and share it. Okay. And so for those who are listening and they're like, okay, I want to <laughs> learn more about Roofheads, where do they go? They would just go to roofheads.com and sign up for the beta version. Um, we are trying to um, get as many folks signed up for the beta version so that we can continue to test and learn from the market, learn from our audience, like what it is um, that they're needing and expecting from this tool. And we have continued to iterate and iterate um, based off of that feedback. Um, so that's something that just won't stop. This, this will definitely be the people's app. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. This has been great, really thank informative, you. just from a technology standpoint. And then just, um, you know, having an app that helps so many people. I mean, real estate is a huge market that people want to get into, especially when they have dead end jobs that they want to get out of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, <laughs> I think people yes. are just, um, informative. So, I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you thank so you. much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can find the companies and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. To discover more Black-owned businesses, visit us at blackfaves.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please like, share on social media, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, peace.